I remember the first time I saw in person an African-American individual. I was about 10 years old and he was a little boy on a school bus I was riding on in Moorhead, Kentucky. My family lived in a rural, I'll try to say that five times, in a rural area of the town. Maybe we were about five miles out of Winding Highway. And actually the school buses occasionally pick kids up and help to transport us to other places in town like like the stadium. And, and you know, we, ju- we didn't just use the buses for school each morning. I believe on this day we were headed to a Moorhead State University football game. And I remember walking down the aisle of the bus and choosing a seat beside this little black, this young black boy. And at one point, I tentatively reached out and touched his forearm. I was so scared, but I was like compelled to do that. I'd never in my life seen such dark skin before, like in person. You know, he grinned at me and I grinned right back at him. I don't think we said one word to each other that day, but I'll tell you, I remember thinking that at that moment, something great had happened to me on that day. You know, I I felt like I stepped into some new reality. My entire world broadened and it gave me so much to consider. Well, here on the Choose to Think podcast, we're going to take a look at racism using a three-pronged approach, starting today with Your Soul Has No Color, Part 1, Examine. Part 2 will be Educate, and 3, Engage. So welcome to the Choose to Think podcast. I'm Victoria Walker, and I personally thank you for tuning in. Now, before we get started, here are a few reminders. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Choose to Think podcast. And if you haven't subscribed just yet, please do. And while you're at it, if you would share the link from your favorite episode with a friend, I would really appreciate this. I'm humbly praying that God would use my voice in this platform to be encouragement and inspiration in our world. We really need it nowadays, wouldn't you say? And you know what? You have no idea what a privilege it is to serve in this way. I'm having a ton of fun with this podcast, and I would love your feedback. Also, consider joining the faith-based C2T private Facebook group to chat about a variety of things, especially about how to deal with toxic thoughts, emotions, and mindsets. We can challenge each other. We can converse about the podcast episodes. I would love to have listeners way in there. And finally, pop on over to my website, victoriadwalker.com to find a gazillion downloadable freebies with can-do exercises to help you take thoughts captive. You'll see I've created what I call a visual gallery of gratitude. If you're feeling low and need a bit of a boost, check out this slideshow gallery. And now on with the show. Let me just set the tone from the get-go that I am in a learning process about racism, and I'm learning as I go, and I would ask you to go easy on me. I'm a student of the Word, a 21st century Christian woman with a heart for God. I'm searching for answers just like you. I'm not perfect, but I am willing to try. And I hope you'll see me as a work in progress. It's kind of like when I first began to learn Spanish. You know, if I had waited until I could perfectly express myself in the language, I would still be on the starting block, you know, page one of the textbook. 
It quickly became apparent to me that to learn Spanish, I had to be willing to make mistakes. I had to be willing to even sound foolish, you know, maybe mispronounce words, not get my verb tense right. But if I had waited for perfection to come, my efforts would totally, they would have stymied. I would have been stuck, discouraged, fretful, and ultimately I would have given up. So please be gracious with me along the way with this topic. You know, issues regarding racism and the hardships our country is facing are gargantuan in my book. And I'm putting it upon myself to simplify the issue. I'm inviting you to take a sneak peek into my own personal journey as I simplify to let you know how I'm attempting to find the meeting ground between my civic responsibilities and my Christian worldview and duties. Please know that I'm trying and I'm learning and I'm willing to take the risk to invite you into my journey. It's kind of scary, even like doing this podcast in the first place, but by God's grace, I'm willing to give it a shot. So how did I simplify this issue? My mind works in categories. So I boiled the issue of racism into three parts, examine, educate, and engage. I also always start with prayer in my studies. Prayer, after all, is communication, articulation, and expression. Prayer helps me nail down exactly what I'm thinking about this target issue. In addition to committing to praying about the issue, I knew from the beginning I needed the right jargon of the trade, so to speak. So I decided to review a few definitions. At this point, I'd like to share with you those definitions that I found from merriamwebster.com and Cambridge Dictionaries Online as well as word equivalencies and definitions from the Bible, and then some of my own interjections about these terms. I've created a cheat sheet of words, as well as some of the questions you'll hear me ask during this episode about this entire examination process that you can use in your journey. And the link will be in the show notes if you're interested. So let's start with race. What is it? Race, this is dictionary definition, biologically determined based on predominant physical features, common descent, heredity, like color of skin, hair, eyes, facial structure, stature, etc. Common races include Caucasian, Mongoloid, and Negro. The Bible tells us that we are one race, one blood, and that we came from man and woman at the get-go, from the get-go. And I really like, you know, I read a couple of verses. Genesis 3.20 says this, now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of, of all the living. And in Malachi 2.10, we read, do not do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? And those are, yes, out of context, but but to go to that word, it means unity of human or the unity of humans. And I love that definition of race. Race is also traced to these words, offspring, seed, that which has been sown, a sprout or shoot, semen, descendants, progeny, children. And will you notice with me that none of these terms have reference to skin color? Our race is given by God and it's sacred. We didn't choose it. 
Ravi Zacharias says this, quote, racial pain is a deep pain because it goes to the soul of one's being. No one has a choice over one's birth. To be attacked with racial prejudice is a form of murder because you're at risk just by virtue of your very being, end quote. That's powerful. Now, racism is a belief. So when we start saying belief, think thoughts, that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities, and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. That's the dictionary definition. God accepts from every nation and every tribe the one person who fears him and does what is right. We Christians fight for the defenseless. We know every person has value, worth, and a purpose. God gave Jesus for the what? For the world, for all people. He didn't just give Jesus to the Jews or for the Christ, to the Christians or the Messianic Jews or whatever. He never gave Jesus for a particular ethnic group or race. God teaches us to defend the cause of the fatherless and the widow, to love the foreigner residing among us, giving them food and clothing. We are to even love our enemies and to do good to those who hate us. We're to pray for them. Okay, what is prejudice? It kind of looks like the word prejudge. So loosely, it means to judge before. Prejudice is a preconceived judgment or opinion, an adverse opinion or leaning formed without just grounds or before sufficient knowledge. And that's the dictionary definition. The Bible is very similar here. Think premature preference, an opinion formed before the facts are known or a prejudgment. Bigotry is obstinate or intolerant devotion to one's own opinions and prejudices. I couldn't find a Bible word reference here, but there are plenty of cases in the New Testament when Paul spoke aggressively against bigotry, and you may want to research that. Ethnicity, dictionary definition ever relating to large groups of people classed or grouped according to common characteristics such as racial, national, tribal, religious, linguistic, or cultural origin or background. I found this word in one translation of the Bible used only twice in the book of Esther, and it meant a nation, a people, members of one's people, compatriots, countrymen, kinsmen, or kindred. Think of being classified, so to speak, by tribe. That would be your ethnicity. It's interesting to note in a very broad sense that the entire human race has its own ethnicity. We can be categorized simply by being human. That's awesome. What is culture? Dictionary says the customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. Couldn't find this word in Hebrew or Greek, but the word custom is associated with statutes, ordinances, and laws. What is a stereotype? Dictionary says an idea, so thought, idea that is used to describe a particular type of person or thing, or a person or thing thought to represent such an idea, like all X, R, Y. This has to do a little bit with our identity. Also, all Americans wear blue jeans. All Asians are smart. All blacks can dance. All whites are privileged. Well, there's nothing in the Bible but plenty to suggest that God judges the heart, not the outward appearance. He cuts through the superficial stereotyping to get right to the heart. And finally, discrimination is a prejudiced or prejudicial outlook, action, or treatment 
it's the actual act or practice or an instance of discriminating categorically rather than individually. Taking concrete action or treating others differently based on category can be unlawful and immoral. I would encourage you to do a bit of research on your own regarding these terms and be sure to get that free cheat sheet PDF available in the show notes. Before we dive deeper into the examination process itself, let's take a quick break for our sponsors. After I reviewed the definitions and thought through them, I further divided the examination challenge here into two steps. I wanted to examine myself inwardly, my thoughts, as well as consider the external influences that were affecting my thoughts and beliefs about these topics. I opened a Word doc and I just simply started typing. You can grab a journal if you'd like to jot down your thoughts. Remember, this is the Choose to Think podcast. That's what we're charged to do as believers. Writing down your thoughts is one way to capture them. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, which is a show uh, theme verse tells us to take every thought captive. And in this step, as we examine these issues, we want to become especially mindful of what we are thinking about and why. This inward examination was prompted by my favorite Psalm, Psalm 139. And gosh, if you haven't listened to the podcast series on beauty, which were episodes 10, 11, and 12, you might want to go start there because Psalm 139 validates just how wonderfully and fearfully each human creature is made as we were woven in our mother's womb. This God-given beauty as we're crafted in God's image, I might add, is sacred. Though God deems us beautiful and puts his stamp and seal upon us, God judges our hearts, not our outward appearance. Now, the last two verses of Psalm 139 say this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. In other words, I have to know the thoughts I'm having regarding, well, basically everything. And 2 Corinthians tells us to take every thought captive. And these days, I'm convicted to really dig deeply into what I'm actually thinking about regarding race and these issues our country is facing. These are the questions that I've asked myself, and I put these in the the, um, cheat sheet. Number one, do I have any prejudices about people of color or different ethnicity or abledness, if that's a word? If yes, what are they? When do I have these thoughts? In what scenarios do I have these thoughts? What emotions are conjured up when I have these thoughts? And then let's think about our thoughts about what the Bible says. What do I think the Bible says about racism and how has this knowledge impacted my core thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes? And finally, the last question, do I really believe that there's only one race? If I do, what does this mean to me in a practical sense and like how I live my life? Okay, so here's a personal example that I would like to confess. Many of you know that I've been a university instructor for nearly 30 years. I discovered that sometimes I did prejudge my students' academic ability based on their skin color, their nationality, their studies, or their extracurricular activities. In other words, if I had a student who was pre-med, I thought, hmm, she's really serious. Things like that I'm now examining about myself. And admittedly, it does get a little bit sticky to draw the line between the reality and my stereotyping. 
In other words, historically, athletes may not have been as serious-minded, seriously-minded about their education as other students were. They really may have lower GPAs. They may really need more tutoring, etc. I thought about once when I was a TA at the University of Kentucky and now in one of my classes and assigned tutors, kind of like this, you know, I don't know, it was it was weird. This extra person had to come to my class. It was the tutor. Literally followed like a little puppy dog around a very famous, quote, famous basketball player at that time. And if you don't know anything about Kentucky, you probably know about Kentucky basketball. Well, apparently without the tutor, that student was toast. There was some pressure on me. Maybe it was self-imposed. I'm not sure that the student had to succeed no matter what. And I think this little example served as one concrete instance that made me think that athletes need academic support. In other words, that was imprinted into me at that moment. Now, as I'm grading exams, and I recognize my student is an athlete, or if I say, let's see, I think, oh, that's his exam. Um, I never, if I were to intentionally grade harder, mark more mistakes, demoralize the attempt in any way, etc., this would be outright wrong or discriminatory. And I do my very best to grade blindly. And it's much easier for an online class where I can block out names, but it's harder for face-to-face classes when over time I recognize handwriting. But at any rate, Though I may come with prejudices or stereotypes, I do not act on those impulses or or thoughts or impulses. Um, Now, even that I'm aware of this type of thinking regarding my students, I want to back the thought train up a bit and take a new track in the future to put on my blinder, so to speak, and dismiss any prejudices that I may be bringing into my classrooms. You know, I've been hearing a lot of chatter recently about the distinctions between reality and stereotyping or prejudices. For example, if I'm standing in New York City on a street waiting for a cab, I don't like the fact that the driver zips past the black lady with a baby in her arms who's also waiting, and he pulls right up to me. Why would the driver do this? Well, because, no, I'm assuming here, but probably he has learned that white women tip more than black women, and this means more money for him, more money for his family, more money for his livelihood. Was that prejudice? Well, yes, it was based on his own experience, right? He was making prejudgments. Was it stereotyping to an extent? Yes, because he based that on the assumption that I would also tip more. Was it discriminatory? And this is where it gets a little sticky in my book, but by the classical definition, yes, it would be. However, the driver's motive was personal. In other words, he would have likely passed by a white lady with a child on her hip and come to me instead, especially if I were dressed in business attire. So is that racial discrimination? Or is it another type of discrimination in this case? You know, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote this from the New Testament, and this is in a section in the NASB called The Sin of Partiality. He says this, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? And then he goes on to say, um, let's see, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. Anyway, you can read that. That's in chapter, what chapter was that? Um, hold on, was it chapter two, I think? Yes. So you can um, read that if you would like. I suppose the real question here in all these scenarios is why? Why are we in the United States in the predicament that we're in? And the, I've tried to simplify even answering that type of question. And by starting with this first step in examining yourself, those thoughts that you're having, the inward and external influences that that you're actually dealing with and have dealt with. And then second to that, we'll get into education. And maybe at that point, we can discuss systemic racism, you know, what is it and what role do we play in reversing that tide that might come in the engagement step. Okay, you will remember that I'm trying to simplify here and it seems like I can say or write something and then I'm like, oh, there's an exception to that or oh, what about this? But that's okay. I've got to give myself some leeway as I'm doing my examination process. I'm not claiming to have all the answers. I've simply invited you into the process and what what it's looked like for me and what I'm committed to doing. I'm committed to examining my thoughts and my attitudes and my beliefs. I'm committed to to educating myself about these topics and and seeking more information and, and trying to find out more. I am committed to engaging, to actually doing something in my little sphere of the world that might be helpful to someone else, especially regarding these issues. I know there are issues of civil rights and free speech and my personal beliefs and I realize all of that, but this is just a start. So let's just say that we're scratching the surface here. Thank you for staying with me on this. Now let's go on over to the the exam. Let's continue with the examination step here because my introspection overlapped a bit with my external examination or extrospection. And I think that's actually a word. I asked myself, these are the questions, what were any external influences that may have impacted my internal thoughts and attitudes? External influence that came to my mind were um, the media, my education, my upbringing, So let's start with media. I do remember seeing blacks on TV. We watched Roots, okay, nothing short of traumatizing to me. There was the comedian Flip Wilson and the TV series Sanford and Son, Different Strokes, The Jeffersons. Do you guys, do anybody remember these? Um, Now, as to education, I attended an all-white school in rural Moorhead, Kentucky from the second to the middle of the sixth grade before my family moved to Ohio. It was the last half of sixth grade in Ohio that I actually took Spanish with Miss Rosita. And that was another one of those life-changing moments for me. You know, when I had that personal contact with the the black boy the, the, the on the school bus, it was something great in my life. It, it it was like someone took a magic wand and went ding and just over me, f- just all these little stars and tinglies just flew all over, just invaded my, my little sphere. And that's the way it was when I took Spanish class. I was like, oh my, my heart, my heart just leapt into, you know, with enthusiasm and desire and interest. And um, I, you know, I never knew that such a diverse world actually existed. 
family-wise, we were taught not to make fun of people because we knew that we really could hurt someone deeply. I developed an incredible love for and curiosity for different cultures, languages, ethnicities that painted the picture that the world and its varying and incredibly diverse people groups were fascinating and they were worth understanding. One of my dear cousins was born with spina bifida and he was in a wheelchair with his, his entire life, basically. God rest his soul. He was only a year older than I was, and I believe he died in his 40s. Or I, I, Anyway, he lived well beyond what medical professionals projected. And in my family, we simply loved him. He was one of us. And this deeply imprinted me at an early age that loving and helping others less fortunate should be natural and basically should be a, a given. So that's a little bit of my ex- my external examination process, and it could be much more in depth. But I, of course, I don't have time to go into every single thing that I recorded about myself in the in this episode. I just wanted to highlight a few. And as you and I examine our own beliefs and why we have them, it's terribly important to note that our battle is not against flesh and blood. The problem we're having is not really a race issue because there's only one race. It is at base a spiritual and worldview issue. Maybe we've lost sight that we are all created in God's image. And this this fact is what gives us inherent worth and value. Okay, so let's recap. My journey to examine helped me to isolate my thoughts and beliefs internally as well as examine external influences like the media, my upbringing, and my education that may have shaped these thoughts and beliefs. My journey to educate and and engage are on tap over the coming weeks. Now, I'd like to conclude with a quote from the beloved Ravi Zacharias, and I want you to listen to some of his thoughts on racism. Here is the deepest mystery. Jesus did not say much about what we call racial prejudice or discrimination, or for that matter, even slavery, but his stories were steeped in answers. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans and saw them as a mongrel race. Jesus shocked them with the story of the good Samaritan that showed up their hypocrisy. That phrase is now in our vocabulary. The keepers of the law despised those they saw as less moral than themselves. Again, Jesus shocked them with the story of the prostitute who poured out her alabaster ointment on the Savior's feet. Her story is told wherever the gospel is preached. The Israelites of old hated the Romans' right to force them to carry his armaments for one mile. Jesus spoke of walking the second mile. That, too, is a phrase we use today. When Paul spoke of being called to the Gentiles, the mob wanted to kill him. But the gospel was still preached to the whole world. And what does all this say? That racial prejudice and other prejudices are not new. Prejudice has existed from the time of the first family when grace misunderstood led to murder. Racial prejudice is not the problem. Racial prejudice is the symptom that reveals the real problem. We all think we are superior in some way to others, and we find reasons to dislike certain others. If in our hearts we spurn somebody, 
the mind will find myriad reasons to justify that cancer of the soul. Of all people in the world, the Christian should lead the way in loving people of all nations because we all are ultimately created in God's image. Our color does not define us. Our social stature doesn't define us. Our soul defines us in that we are infused by God's value in us. And we love because we are first loved by God, who is spirit. Until the day dawns, when we see everyone as having intrinsic soul worth, we will judge people by extrinsic appearances. Yes, and by color or some other distinction. How blind can we be? This is the time to go to the ultimate heart surgeon who will help us love with his love. It's time to turn from hate to love. Time to turn from prejudice to an embrace. Time to admit we are proud and wrongheaded. Time to see in each other the face of God. That can only happen when we are first reconciled to God. Then we can be reconciled with one another. Until then, the one from whom we have not sought forgiveness or that we have not forgiven will control us. And we move into the vortex of the worst kind of slavery, a prison of hate, a cloud of amnesia, or the domination of a thirst for revenge. That's why Jesus did not deal with the symptom. He dealt with the source. Our hearts need to receive God's forgiveness, and then we can become instruments of true reconciliation. When you find your true master, you find we are all slaves to God, because that is the ultimate freedom. Ah, oh, what a master we have, who gave himself for us, who came to us to earth as a servant so that we might know we are destined for a kingdom." End quote. And now let's pray. Father in heaven, reveal to us any offensive or hurtful ways in our hearts and minds. Help us to take those toxic thoughts captive and bring them under your scrutiny and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for hanging with me in this journey. Be sure to grab your cheat sheet and check back in a couple of weeks for Our Souls Have No Color Part 2, Educate. And until next time, Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Chao.